Greetings, this is Pastor Stan Harvey of the Pentecostals of Sydney. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. It is our hope that this message, whether it be a Sunday service or a midweek lesson, would be a blessing and a help to you in your spiritual journey. Stay connected with us on our website, posydney.com, or on our numerous social media platforms. Now to the service. Great to have many of our, our youth back from that youth conference. Just a tremendous weekend. And hearing some of the testimonies from the youth conference, so encouraging and such a blessing to see. And of course, I've uh, got to carry on with that, continue on. And uh, had a great uh, Easter Resurrection Sunday last week. And this Wednesday, uh, our combined before we start our connect group. So if you want to join the connect group, you can sign up. There'll be a sign up booth for the next two Sundays. We'll be signing up our connect groups. You can go to the same connect group you've always gone to, or maybe you're sick and tired of those people in your groups and say, I want to, I want to try something new. I want to meet new people. Uh, just kidding. You can start into a new group and all of you that have not joined the group, we encourage you to be a part of a small group. Uh, during the week you know once a week coming to church is great but we need a little bit more than that the early church met every day and I'm not suggesting for one minute that we do that but uh, at least uh, a couple of times during the week that we get together we develop those relationships helps pray for one another and so you can sign up today and the next week but this Wednesday we have our combined where our connect group leaders ministering also we do apologize uh, we have no Sunday school in creche during the school holidays this week this year and so next week, we will be starting our, our Sunday school and new life classes. Amen. Philippians chapter 3, verse number 10 and 11. And if you wouldn't mind standing in honor of God's word, we, we always stand. This is our custom to read the opening text, of the message, the word of God. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. I'm continuing on my message from last week. After a wonderful Sunday last week, I was empowered by something that happened after the, the service last week. Amen. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. That I may know him. This is the Apostle Paul saying this. And he's writing from prison. Remember that. He's writing from, he's locked up. And it's not like silver water or you have all these wonderful amenities. You're, you're looking at a dungeon full of rats and unpleasantness no 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 tv no no program this was in prison where many people die even before they are executed that i may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death if by any means i may attain to the resurrection of from the dead he said that i may know him and the power of his resurrection despite knowing so much already paul said he wrote majority of the new testament yet it was still his desire to know him and the power of his resurrection that's when i talk want to talk to you today on the power of his resurrection would you lift up your voice one more time in prayer father we thank you for your power that's here your presence that's here Speak to us once again, we pray. Anoint your servant and your people to the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you clap your hands and give him thanks and praise. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Last week, we looked into the evidence for the resurrection of Christ, some of the evidence. We only just touched on a few. We looked at the fact that the resurrection of Jesus is one of the most hotly contested issue in our world. And there are many skeptics, including scholars, including uh, university professors that try to uh, debate and, and try to shed and cast doubt on the veracity of the resurrection. And the reason they do this is because the resurrection of Jesus, as we talked about, and again, I'm doing a bit of a recap right now, 
the resurrection of Jesus is, stands as the most critical and important issue in all of Christianity. Because again, as I said, if he did not resurrect from the tomb, uh, then, then uh, we probably wouldn't be here today. Then Christianity would have died as quickly as it had started. Uh, and yet, uh, there are those who question this, the, the truth of, of the resurrection simply because I believe in the hearts of people is that if the resurrection of Jesus is true, then the implications upon the unbeliever is immense. Because most people who uh, don't want to live for God, who enjoys sin, and I uh, confess that that was probably most of us, but those who don't want to surrender to Jesus and yet want to live however they want to, believe, to live, they would not want to believe that their actions will be accounted for in the end. If there's no resurrection, then you can live however you want to. And, and nothing's going to happen to you. You might, you might get arrested here for doing some criminal activity. But as far as sin is concerned, then, then they, it will go unpunished. But if the resurrection is true, and I submit to you that it is, then the consequences are immense. Then people have to be accountable for their actions. Amen. 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 Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. I just need to know you're still there. Uh, just listening. Okay. We, we, we touched on the different evidences for the resurrection of Christ, the empty tomb, the evidence from embarrassment, how the women were the first eyewitnesses to see him, which would have not been considered in any kind of legal processes back in those days. We looked at the newfound courage of the disciples, how they were afraid, and now they were filled with courage. And the, we looked at the crowd, the multitude of eyewitnesses, and, and also the willingness of his followers to be killed, to be martyred. There's also a few others that I don't have time to really unpack, but there's also the fact that the dates were changed at the time and the point of after the resurrection of Christ. The, the calendar date went from B.C., which means before Christ, to A.D. We're still living in A.D. A.D. means Anno Dominum in the uh, Latin, which simply means the year of our Lord. And, and, and so the dates itself were changed at this event that is so historical and so pivotal uh, that even uh, the schedule and the dates that we live in it has been changed. There's also the fact that the, the, the spread of Christianity has led to today over 2.3 billion people in the world today profess Christianity. They profess to have a belief in Jesus. Amen. So, uh, how do you explain that? How exactly uh, do you uh, take account for something like that? That 2.3 billion people are, are superstitious, that they're somehow uh, hallucinating to the truth of Christ. All of these people, and I admit not all of them have the Holy Ghost necessarily, uh, but there are so many people who believe in Jesus. And the only other explanation for that is, of course, that Jesus indeed resurrect from the dead. Amen, amen. Now, not only in the last 2,000 years, there are believers growing, but believers, the Christian church has grown in the face of persecution. Amen. Even now, Christians are still being persecuted. Doesn't make the news anymore in Australia, but believe you me, every Easter around the world, especially locally in, in Indonesia, in the Philippines, every Easter, churches are being bombed. Amen. You, you read about it. If you go into some of the news, some of the uh, martyr news in Indonesia, in some of the places like Sulawesi and, and, and Kalimantan, and places like that, some of these islands, uh, Christians would just be walking down the street and they get jumped and killed uh, simply because they're Christians. Christians are still getting martyred today. And yet, instead of... Uh, despite the persecution, the Christian church continues to grow. Over 2.3 billion followers in this world. 
How do you explain that? How do you take account for that? How in the world does that happen? It's because Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the head of the body of the church, rose out of the grave on that third day and is forever alive to this day and shall be alive forevermore. I want to encourage you again, brothers and sisters, there is only one God, there is only one faith, amen, and, and whatever persecution you've got to suffer, whatever pain you have to undergo in this life, it's worth it all. Why? Because my Jesus is alive, and he's alive forevermore. He resurrected. You know what that means? That means when our life on earth is through, that means if you live a long life or your life is cut short, whatever it is, if you know Jesus, you will live forever. There's an eternity that awaits us. There's an afterlife where we will be in heaven together forever. And what you're experiencing here on earth, in the church, in the body of Christ, is nothing but a drop, a glimpse of the glory that awaits us. Oh, I don't know about you, but sometimes I've got heaven on my mind. Sometimes all I want to think about is be with Jesus and with my family. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Can I tell you, let me encourage somebody. You are not some ignorant, superstitious person despite what the world tries to tell you that you're only in the church because you're dumb. You don't know anything. You're too weak. No, we are the smartest. We are the wisest. Why? We've got the truth. We've got Jesus. We know who he is. Hallelujah. Glory to God. How do you account for this phenomenon? This, the church, lives changed, hearts transformed. It's because my Savior didn't remain in the tomb. He didn't stay dead. If he stayed dead, we wouldn't be here. We'd, everything, All of that Christianity would have died. Who knows, this world might have ended a long time ago. But because he lives, I can face tomorrow like that old song. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Oh, hallelujah, I thank God that I know we're not serving a dead religion. Hallelujah. There, there really is no ambiguity to the reliability of the, the resurrection story. If you use the same scholarly mechanisms of academia in order to determine whether some historical fact happened, the resurrection story ticks all the boxes. It, it does not fail the scrutiny of study and scholarship. But it stands the test. Hallelujah. Amen. I, I'm sorry. I'm just repeating myself from last week. But this is so powerful. I don't want to just preach about the resurrection on Easter. Oh, hallelujah. We ought to preach about it. Paul said... I don't want to know anything among you except him and him crucified and him resurrected. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Because the resurrection story and the resurrection of our Lord, the power of our resurrection and the power of his resurrection, it means that we will live again. It means that we shall See him face to face as he promised. Amen. But the word of God is very clear to us. The resurrection gives to us an ultimate justice. Uh, I've got to hurry along this message, but the, the, the Old Testament writers, the book of the Old Testament, the Old Testament and the New Testament, they go together. We, we don't simply rub out the Old Testament and say, I only want the new. There is no New Testament without the Old Testament. And all throughout the Old Testament, we read of how God created this world and created a people for himself that would be a representative of his glory and of his kingdom in this world. 
And time and again, you read in the scriptures that God would call upon people and he would empower them. He would, the Bible says he came upon, the spirit of the Lord came upon Samson. It came upon David. He empowered them. But not once will you read where God ever came inside of them, filled them with his Holy Spirit. He came upon them, but not with inside of them. It was prophesied for throughout scripture that this event would take place. That something would happen, something that would change the atmosphere. Amen. And we read in Joel chapter 2, verse number 28, he said, he prophesied. This was 800 years before Jesus. He said, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. This was 800 years before Pentecost. And then 50 years later, a man by the name of Isaiah prophesied these words in chapter 44 and verse 3. He said, For I will pour water on him who was thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. Ezekiel, 600 years BC, he said in 36 and 26, a new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you and I will take away the stony heart of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them over and over the apostle the prophets were empowered by the spirit he came upon them he helped them but there was something they looked to there was something that they searched for that they never experienced in fact the angels themselves the bible tells us in first peter chapter 1 and verse number 12 it says to them it was revealed that not to themselves but to us they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the holy spirit sent from heaven things, watch this, things which angels desired to look into. It's what the angels themselves wanted. It's what they desired and they themselves haven't had it even though they are in the immediate presence of God. What are the prophets talking about? What are these angels looking into? It's none other than what we saw on the day of Pentecost that Jesus prophesied that would happen that on the day of Pentecost was fully come. There came a sound from heaven like a rushing, a mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And they were all filled, cloven tongues like as a fire sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I want you to know today the greatest benefit, the greatest power to the resurrection of Jesus is us receiving the same resurrection power that rose Jesus out of the grave. It will fill you. It will be inside of you. Oh, hallelujah. Here's what Paul said. If the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. I've come to preach to this church to remind you the power of his resurrection is the power of the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. And the Spirit of God is here today. He doesn't just want to be around you, on top of you, but He wants to fill you and baptize you inside with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Pardon me for getting excited. I'm sorry. 
but I didn't come here for just some religion. Amen. If we just came here from a little music and just to, to pat each other on the back and shake each other's hands and we didn't come here for just a pretty sermon. Friend, if you came here just for that and you don't have the Holy Ghost, I'm sorry, you've got nothing. You've missed it all. What this is all about is that God can dwell within us and res resurrect our dead lives, resurrect our dead spirits, bring back to life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The power of his resurrection is none other than the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Hallelujah. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, and so wonderful, some of our, many of our young people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost at the youth conference. Let me tell you, that's what it's all about. That's what the angels are looking into and desired and can't have it. Where God is dwelling within us. You see, we were dead in sin. Our spirits were dead to sin. It was, that's why you've got to be born again. Because only, the only thing that can be born is something that's dead. And the way that it's born is to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it brings to life that dead spirit within you. And you've got God dwelling on the inside. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost, without it, we might as well just pack up and go home, watch the roosters win. Come on now. We, we might as well give our, our lives to the religion of football, games, make money, build house, whatever it is. Without the Spirit of God, this is everything that the God had intended for us. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. He said, I'm not going to leave you to your own devices. I'm not going to leave you alone. I won't let you just kind of fend for yourself in this world to try and feel. He said, no, I won't leave you comfortless. The word comfortless means orphanos in the Greek, which means an orphan. I'm not going to leave you an orphan all by yourself. He said, but I will come to you. I will come." For you, I will feel you. Wait, wait, you say, well, hang on a minute. Well, which is it that, that fills us? Is it the Holy Spirit or is it Jesus? When Jesus said, I will come to you. Well, I submit to you that it's, the answer is yes. It's the Holy Spirit, and it's Jesus. Because the Spirit of, that's in Jesus is none other than the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. That's why, that's where people get confused. Because every time the New Testament talks about the Holy Spirit, it's not talking about Jehovah Jr., it's not talking about a, a, another personality that somehow God says, okay, hey, hey, you, Holy Spirit, you go do my work. I'm, I'm just going to kick back and relax. No, the Bible says there is one God. There's one Spirit. So when the New Testament refers to the Holy Spirit, he's not referring to, to, to somebody else. He's referring to himself, but it's always referring to God in action, God in activity. That's why the Bible never says you were filled with the Father, you, that they were filled with the Son. It always says they were filled with the Holy Spirit because God, the Bible says God is holy and God is a spirit. So is there the Holy Spirit of God and then the Holy? No, it's the one God. Here it is. You, you can't take away from the Old Testament. The Old Testament law, the greatest law, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Deuteronomy 6, 4. And the one Lord. Amen. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the Holy Spirit is none other than the same God indwelling a believer. Come on, somebody. Maybe you've had the Holy Ghost 20 years, 30 years, but let me just give you a little reminder. Let me just remind you today that you still got God dwelling on the inside. Oh, I know we've messed up over the years. I know we've fallen. We've sinned. Oh, but I just come to give you one word of a reminder that God is still dwelling in your life, in your spirit.
Oh, hallelujah. That's why we shout. That's why we dance. That's why sometimes the folks in here, they go a little crazy. Something clicks in their mind, reminds them, oh, I've got the Holy Ghost. I've got God. Hallelujah. Romans, Paul further says, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. That means, again, using the same reference to an orphan, you are illegitimate. You don't belong to the family of God if you have not the spirit of God. It says we, we receive the spirit of adoption, whereby the Bible says we cry, Abba, which is a, a Hebrew term for, for daddy, a term of endearment, daddy, father. And you can't call him daddy unless you've been adopted. And you're not adopted unless you've got the Holy Spirit of God. We say, well, I want to get that. How, how do I get that? Well, here's how you get it. You simply repent of your sins. Be, have faith. Believe in God. And, and here's another guarantee. He says, if you are baptized according to Acts chapter 2, verse 38, which incidentally is the first part, part of the first church sermon of all of Christian history. Peter said, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the removal or remission of your sins. Oh, thank God for that day when I stepped into the waters of baptism. When I came up out of the water, every sin was removed. Every sin I committed as a child. Every sin I committed the day before, it was removed. And God saw me holy, clean, and pure. And the Bible says you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. The power of the Spirit of God. This is what he was talking about. The power of his resurrection means that he opened up the door, not just for God to be around them or even on top of them, but he said, Jesus, here's what Jesus said on that day, the great day of the feast. He said, if anyone is thirsty, and, and that's very key to, to receiving something from God, you've got to be thirsty. If you're not thirsty for God, if, if you're thirsty for other stuff, entertainment, sin, drugs, alcohol, you're not going to get anything from God. But Jesus said, listen to what he said. If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And he that believeth has faith. As the scripture has said, out of his belly, inside here, not just here, but out of your belly. Perhaps what he's talking about is the inner being, the inner person, the spirit of the man. Out of their belly shall flow rivers of living water. And this spake he, I don't know if you can get that scripture. This spake he of the Holy Spirit, which should come upon them. But it, would, it was not given yet because... Jesus had not yet been glorified. He, there was no Holy Spirit while Jesus was walking the earth because he had to go to the cross first so that he makes a way for us. So, so here's what, he, what happens. Right? Oh, man, I'm sorry. My, my brain's everywhere. When Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says the veil that was in the temple, it was ripped in two pieces. It was rent in twain. The veil is what separated the Holy of Holies from the holy place. When Jesus died on the cross, that veil was ripped, which signified that now the glory of God that was in the Holy of Holies that descended upon the Ark of the Covenant, it meant now that everybody has access to the Spirit of God. No longer was it going to be... No longer was it going to be limited to just once a year on Passover when Shekinah fell. Now because the Passover lamb was killed and crucified, it means that we all have access to the Shekinah glory of the Holy Spirit of God that can dwell with inside of us. We are Pentecostal by experience. Can I tell you why? Because we can't go one moment further without the presence and without the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We can have the best music. We, we can have such good preaching that, that, that I'll become a motivational preacher, speaker, and you can pay me $50,000 an hour. How's that? 
We can even fill up this house to capacity, yet without being filled with the Holy Spirit, you cannot be saved. It's all about the angels desired to look into this. They desire to have what you have. That's the Spirit of God. And, and here's the deal. I, and I'm going to end up doing a Bible study right now. The Holy Spirit is given to us to, to lead us and guide us into all truth. But remember that the Holy Spirit, that there's always some, something to tell a person that they received the Holy Spirit. Something just, and I know some folks will say, well, I just know, I just know I've got the Holy Spirit. I know it's there. But, but there, there is a uniform, uniformity of a sign in Scripture. Whenever somebody received the gift of the Holy Ghost, like we read in Acts chapter 2, there was, they began to speak in other tongues. Yeah, different languages, even languages of men. And Paul talks about 1 Corinthians 13, languages of men and languages of angels. Anybody ever heard of, anybody speak a language of angels? I think it's Tagalog. I'm pretty sure it's. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sure to a foreigner it doesn't sound very angelic in time. Maybe it's French. I don't, no, we don't know what the language of angels are. It may sound like gibberish to somebody. If you're not Filipino, Tagalog will sound gibberish to you. Sound like, you know, you're some, some, some language. Well, I'm like, better not go there. I, said, I better stop by my tracks. But, but here's what happens. They spoke in tongues. Go to, get Acts chapter 10, verse 44 for us. Acts chapter 10. When you receive the Spirit of God, there's something that tells you you've got it. Why, this, why is this so important? What's the big deal? Well, the big deal is this, is that if I tell somebody, oh, you've got the Holy Spirit, when they don't have it, then they're not going to go to heaven and their blood will be on my hands. But I have biblical examples and evidence to show you what happens when a person receives the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is scripture. While Peter, in verse 44, spake these words, Peter is commissioned by God to go to a house of Gentiles, Cornelius, to talk to them about the gospel. Cornelius, already a devout man. And while Peter is explaining to them, speaking to them, the Holy Ghost fell. Can I tell you the Holy Ghost can fall on us? Can fall in this room? I believe with all my heart, whether you believe it or not, whether you acknowledge it or not, every Sunday we get together, the Holy Ghost falls. It's a spirit. Remember that. You can't see it physically. Some people say, well, I got goosebumps in the back of my neck. I'm feeling the whole. No, it's a spirit. It's not a physical thing. But something in your spirit sort of clicks and, and bang. Somebody goes out and starts running and whew, starts going crazy. This starts shaking. And, and those things are great, but running is not the sign of the Holy Ghost. Goosebumps is not the evidence for the Spirit of God. You can get goosebumps riding on the Lord roller coaster or something. I don't know, whatever. Watching a horror movie. Don't watch horror movies. <laughs> They got spirits behind those things. While he spake, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them which heard the word. Watch this. And they of the circumcision, that means the Jews, the Christian Jews who were Peter, they were, uh, who, which believed were Christians, they were astonished. They were amazed because they thought that salvation was only for Jewish, for the Christian, Israeli Christians, Christian Israelites, whatever. And as because they were amazed because as many as came with Peter, because on the Gentiles also, the Gentiles, the non-Jews was also poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. They were astonished, folks. They were amazed that these guys got the Holy Ghost. Wait a minute. How do they know they had the Holy Spirit? How did they? Well, it's in the very next verse. Because they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. That's how, folks, you're going to know. If I hear you speak in tongues, then I can say unequivocally from Scripture that you've received the gift of the Holy Ghost. If they can have that experience, we can have that same experience today. We don't believe in cessationism. We believe that it's still available today. In fact, if they needed it back then, we need it much more now. If they needed it in the beginning, we needed it much more in the end before he comes back for his church, for his bride. And so Peter says, 
they, they're obviously looking at these guys speaking in tongues. And remember, when you speak in tongues, it doesn't mean that somebody has to interpret all the time. There's no interpretation there. You pray in tongues. Okay, so Paul talks about this, and, and again, I, I want to finish this, this passage. Paul talks about praying in the Holy Spirit and praying with understanding. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Let's finish verse 47. He said, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And so, in verse 48, and he commanded them. He didn't just, well, if you want to. That's kind of our approach sometimes. I'm sorry. Because we're living in a very sensitive, overly sensitive, woke generation. Oh, don't you dare offend me, preacher. That's my heart. You're, you're, you're hurting my heart. You're affecting my emotions. Hallelujah. I, listen, I, I don't care who, who offends me. If they're going to tell me the truth, I need to hear it. If, it's gonna, if it means I'm going to be saved, I need to hear it. Many churches don't like to preach about hell anymore. And I, and I get that because, you know, the, the Bible says Jesus said the world is already condemned. We're not here to condemn anybody, but we're here to preach the truth. He didn't suggest to them, well, you know, listen, if you want to get baptized, you know, we, we got baptism Sunday in about six weeks' time. You know, you can come back. No, he didn't suggest, he didn't, he didn't pander to them. He commanded them to be baptized. Oh, hold on, Peter, that's a little strong, isn't it? That's a little bit over the top. No, he, he commanded them. You know why? Because the, God gave them the, the Holy Ghost, and now they needed to get rid and remove their sins. Hallelujah. That's why if you get the Holy Ghost, I'm going to command you, whether you like it or not, you need to get baptized. I'll wait till baptism Sunday. You can do that if you want to, but you, you got to do it as soon as you can. Okay, chapter 19, and I promise I, I'm, I'm, I'm not only going to go for another hour, I promise. Acts chapter 19, verse number 1. I'm kidding. People are like, no, that's, my, that's not funny. That's, I got a lunch date. I'm, 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 I'm really hurry. Verse 1, and it came to pass while Apollos was at Corinth. The apostle Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus finding certain disciples. Who, disciples of who? Well, John, because it says in the next verse, he said to them, unto what then were you baptized? And then unto John's baptism. Remember John the Baptist? He was baptizing folk in the River Jordan before Jesus started his ministry. And, and he, they, but he was only baptizing them. Watch this, verse number, verse number 3. And then Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism, verse number 4 rather, baptism of repentance, saying, to the people that they should believe on him that should come after him, which is Christ Jesus. They all, when, when the folks were getting baptized on the John's baptism in the, in the river, it was just a baptism of repentance. It was to show that they're sorry and they're, they're changing their lives. But remember, they were still under the Old Testament law. And Old Testament law meant that they had to sacrifice an animal every year on Passover to cover or atone for their sins for that past year. And every year come Passover, they got to sacrifice more animals. And, and so he said he was baptizing people to get their hearts ready to believe on Jesus. When Jesus became our Passover lamb, dying on the cross, he removed sin once and for all. Why did the people have to sacrifice animals every year? It's because animals are not the same level of moral value as human beings we're not the same value that's why you got to kill animals every year you know that's why you know just because you have a pig roast you killed a pig doesn't mean we lock you up because we're allowed to kill animals maybe coming a time in the world where you're not allowed to eat meat anymore but but jesus became our sacrifice as a human being who was pure and sinless died on the cross it means that we don't have to kill lambs every year anymore he now becomes our lamb and once and for all when you are baptized in the name of jesus your sins are removed forever as far as the east is from the west that's how far away he removes our sins that's why here's what happened to the disciples of john the baptist when they heard this they were baptized again, but this time in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
and that's once and for all. When they heard this, they were rebaptized. Listen to me. I'm not invalidating what happened to them during the time of John the Baptist. And I'm not invalidating any kind of spiritual experience that you had, whatever it was. But listen to me. If you've not been baptized in Jesus' name, you've got to do it properly like the disciples of John. Do it again. This time, call on the name of Jesus. The power is in the name of Jesus. The power of his blood is in that name. It washes away your sins. The name of Jesus heals you, casts out devils, casts out sickness, and it can remove every sin from your life. Hallelujah. And when, the, when Paul laid his hands on them, that's why we lay hands on folks. Then when he laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues. Glossalia and prophesied there is an initial sign to tell you that you've received the gift of the holy ghost as you speak in other tongues and when you get the power of the holy spirit it's the bible says acts 1 and 8 you should just jesus words you shall receive power after that the holy ghost is come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me in jerusalem judea samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth including campsie Including Mount Druid. Including Mudgee. Amen. All over this world, the same promise. He says, you shall receive power. And bring back to life. He says, the spirit is given to lead us, guide us into all truth. The spirit is given that will convict us of sin. Amen. The reason I stand here before you today after being on drugs and smoking cigarettes since the age of 13, never thought there'd be any other life for me. At the age of 19, God filled me with the Holy Ghost. I spoke in tongues. Come on. And I didn't know that the power he gave me would give me the power to overcome every addiction, all my hang-ups. Come on. It took some time. I know. I'm still a work in progress. But I can testify where God took away the addiction out of my life, the bad habits, the depression, the misery. It's power you shall receive when you get the Holy Ghost. You, you can't live without the Holy Ghost. You can't make it in this life without the Holy Ghost. We're just playing church without the Holy Spirit. Won't make a world of difference. Without the Spirit of God, it's not going to change one iota. That's why we need it. you got to have the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says, in the last days, they will have a form of godliness. They're going to have a form of religion, but they will deny the power thereof. What power? The power of the Spirit. Hallelujah. It's still the same. Whatever they experience, we can experience it today. He gives us power to witness. To tell the world somehow we were fearful and shy and afraid yet when God fills somebody with the Holy Ghost there's a boldness that comes upon them there's a courage that fills them they're not afraid friend if without the Holy Ghost we're just wasting our time here today but through the Spirit of God he will empower us he will anoint us remember here in the story of Watchman Nia I think I've shared this a couple of times but just an amazing story Watchman Nee and a few Bible school students were, went to an island off the coast of China called Miwa. And, and they wanted to, it, it, there was no Christians there. There was no church there. They started doing some outreach, preaching on the streets and witnessing to folks. And, and they were getting frustrated because nobody in that town was listening to them or receiving the message. And, and, and they, they would turn around to them and tell them, oh, we have our God. You have your God and we've got our God. Their God was now named Tai Wang. And they would, every year, they said, we would bring out our God on our, on our festival on, on the 14th of, 14th of January, and then we would bring him out, and we would, we would parade him down the streets. And for the last 300 years, it's never rained on our procession, on our festival for Tai Wang. That's how we know how powerful our God is. But Watchman Nee was just listening, and the, one of the young men that was in that group, so, something got a hold of him. Maybe a little bit of righteous indignation, and he believes it was the Spirit of God stirring him. And, and in a, a kind of immature way, 
he challenged them. He said, well, our God is bigger and stronger than your God. And he said, and they said, he just kind of started prophesying in the spirit. And he said, on that day, which was only a few days away, about four days away, on the 14th, you'll see it's going to rain. And watch my knee was looking at you, you lost your mind. But, but, and the young man really didn't know. He just kind of was inspired by the spirit of God. And sure enough, they, they went home. They went back to where they were staying. They started praying and fasting. God, you, you got to do something. Amen. I don't know what in the world is going to happen here. But on that morning of the 14th of January, they woke up having breakfast. They began to pray around that breakfast table. And as they were praying, they could hear the pitter-patter of raindrops falling on those terracotta tiles. And they went outside looking into the sky. And as the procession of this uh, idol god that they were worshiping, they were, their ancestral religious uh, f uh, procession, they were taking them out on the street. And as they took them out on their shoulders, the rain started pouring harder and harder until it became torrential rain. And the rain, they said, he describes it, the rain was so heavy that it started to create streams in between the houses of that town and that village. And they were, they were so, the rain was so heavy that the guys carrying the idol God fell over and their idol broke. And so they proceeded, they, they said, they, they took the idol back to the house and here's what happened, here's the story. They, they repaired it, they came back to watch Mani and his mate said, oh, you know what, fellas, we got the date wrong. It, it's actually four days from now. We had the wrong date on our calendar. We, we miscalculated it. And watch my knee said, never mind, that's fine. So they went back again for another four days. They prayed and fasted. And here's what they did. For four days, it never rained. It was sunshine. They went out to the streets preaching. People started coming to God. And again, four days later, on the 18th of January, they went out again with their repaired God. And as soon as they had come out, the clouds came and thunderstorm started to pour out. And to this day, there is a church in that city, in that town, on that island. Why? Because somebody was empowered by the Holy Ghost, inspired to speak and to prophesy. Hallelujah. Musicians, you can come. Oh, hallelujah. Sometimes it's very possible for us to become so used to having the Holy Spirit inside of us that we go about our daily routines and we, we sort of miss what's happening. It's a little bit like Brother, Brother Lee Stone King describes it like this. You know, when, when, when you first get married, you put on that wedding ring and not having had a wedding ring before, you're kind of not used to it. You, you play with it. You know, you're amazed by it. But after many years of marriage... And this never leaves my finger. I, I you know, I kind of, I mow the lawn with it. I, I go to the gym with it. I, I never take it off. I just do it. I don't even remember and realize it's there anymore. You kind of get desensitized to the novelty. But it's still there. When I first got the Holy Ghost, I tell you, I had such a case of it. I couldn't even speak English anymore. Maybe because I was, as a, as a teenager, hooked on drugs. I was so desperate for something real this was pure this was after living a life in darkness and sin this was so clean it was so pure so holy I needed I knew I tasted it all already over there and it's nothing but emptiness and misery God filled me with the Holy Ghost that night it was exciting it was amazing but after many years sometimes I forget that he's actually there the Bible says the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. That means he doesn't take it back. He's not like some of us giving, oh, can I have it back? He gives it to you and you keep it for life. Hallelujah. I, I got to share the story. I'm sorry. I know you're going to be standing for maybe a few more minutes. But we went to Sri Lanka a few years ago. I took this team. Some of these girls were, were there. Some Brother Greg, Brother Wilmot was with us. Brother, Brother Prince Matthias tells us a story of a missionary in Sri Lanka went to a rural village, predominantly Buddhist. And in this village, uh, they didn't have running water. Every home had to have their own well as a source of water. 
Well, the villagers were quite antagonistic towards him because he was a missionary preaching Christ. They went and they polluted, the neighbors polluted his well, made it poison, put poison in there. I don't know exactly what it was. His child, his son saw it and said, Dad, we can't drink from this. It's polluted. They can even smell the toxicity from the water. He didn't know what to do, so he rang Brother Matthias, who was the general superintendent of Sri Lanka, and asked him, what should we do? And Brother Matthias, well, let, let's, just, let's just go to prayer. Put the phone down. They went, both of them went to prayer. Called him back a, a, an hour later. And here's what God told me. Here's what the Spirit of God told me. He took him to, to the book of, of 2 Kings, where Elisha came to a city where the water was poisonous. They couldn't drink. And Elisha threw salt in the water. And it healed the water. He says, here's what you're going to do. You take salt. You go to that well and you put salt in that well. And you pray. And he, got his, he gathered his family. This missionary gathered, Sri Lankan missionary gathered his family. They prayed in Jesus' name. And nothing but, but to simply, let's just drink it by faith. They drank it and nothing happened. The neighbors were standing outside beyond the fence looking at them. Thinking that they're going to drop dead any minute. They didn't drop dead. They were alive and well. But here's guess what happened all the other neighboring homes and villages in the village their well was somehow contaminated and became polluted and the only well in the village that was not contaminated was the missionary the christian missionary's well you remember that story and he said everybody all the villagers had to come to the pastor's house to get their drinking water because his well was the only one that wasn't contaminated and to this day there is an apostolic church in this obscure village somewhere in Sri Lanka I'm telling you God is with you the Spirit of the Lord dwelling in you can empower you oh hallelujah uh, this is my third and final closing and I'm sorry in the book of Genesis, I think it's the 26th chapter. I can't quite remember. The, the land was in drought, and Isaac, here's what he did. In the middle of the drought, he sowed, the Bible says, in the drought. He kept sowing seed. He kept sowing. And the Bible says, and that's the last thing you should be doing in a drought. But that's a lesson for us, folks. If you find yourself in a dry place, in a wilderness, maybe your spiritual walk has all but dried up, you know what you do? You sow. You keep praying. Well, I don't feel like praying. Well, pray. Whatever you don't feel like doing, if you do it, I promise you, something's going to change in your life. Hallelujah. He sowed, and the Bible says in that same year, he, he reaped a hundredfold harvest. He got a hundred times more than what he had before in the one year. So if he, if he was down to 50 sheep, by the end of the year, he had 5,000 sheep. 5,000. But you know what happened? Because the place was still in a drought. There was no water. He realized he had to do something. He's got all of this livestock. He's got all of his cattle, sheep. But what good is all of that if he doesn't have any water to sustain them? And so you, this is what Isaac did. He remembered. Hang on a minute. I know where there is water. It's the wells that belong to my father Abraham. And because they belong to Abraham, they belong to me. So he went back to the wells and it was covered up. It was filled with soil and, and stones and rocks and debris. The enemy tried to cover it up because they didn't want access to the water. And so what did he do? He got on his knees and hands and began to dig up that well again. Begin to remove that well until he got access to that living source of water. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but it's time to dig up the well. It's time to remove the stuff that's in the way of your life. It's time to allow whatever stopping the Holy Ghost from flowing in your life it's time to get back and remove come on it's time for repentance it's time to be hungry for God it's time to get serious with God it's time to get real it's time to get real stand to your feet it's time to get real with him hallelujah 
if you can see, if you can sense the Spirit of God, He wants to dwell in you. If you've never spoken in tongues, listen, it's not that hard. It's very simple. You can receive this wonderful phenomenon. You just simply come in repentance, open up your mouth and say, God, fill me with, my, with your Spirit, and He will fill your spirit. Again, I was just watching a clip this week. The, the, the Anglican Archbishop of Canterbury, his name is Justin Welby. He was in an interview and he tells him, I pray in tongues every day. This is an Anglican, folks, not a Pentecostal. An Anglican Archbishop says, I pray in tongues every day. It just does something to my spirit. When you don't know what to pray for, the Bible says the spirit makes intercession with groanings that cannot be uttered. God's spirit is here. It's time to dig up. Listen, it belongs to you. Just like it belonged to Isaac, Jesus already paid the price. And he said, it's yours. The Holy Spirit is yours. It will walk with you, dwell with you. He will be in you. He will bring you back to life. He'll give you power to be a witness. He'll lead you to all truth. He'll give you the spirit of wisdom and understanding. Oh, hallelujah. Would you lift your hands right now? I got to stop. I'm sorry for taking so long. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for your spirit that's here. We thank you for your power that you have released for us to live, for us to overcome sin, for us to overcome the world and its temptations, Lord. We thank you for the Spirit of God that will bring us back to a regenerated state, that we are alive and born again afresh and anew. Lord, right now we are hungry for you. We want you to be real again in our lives. We want you to manifest yourself again to us. In the name of Jesus, we need your touch. We need your healing virtue. Hallelujah. If you want the Holy Ghost, you've never spoken in tongues, had this experience, I urge you, don't leave without it. You can come right now. I open up this altar. If you need prayer, whatever it is, you want a fresh flow of the Spirit of God. If you want a refreshing, oh, you can get a refreshing every day. But right here, right now, God is dwelling in you. He can fill you and flow through you again. It's time to remove the debris. It's time to remove the blockage. Whatever's blocking the Spirit from flowing in your life, get rid of it. It's time to repent. It's time to put God first and make Him as a ruler over your life. This altar is open. God wants to do a work if you're willing. If any man and woman are thirsty, if you are thirsty, you can come and drink. And if you can believe, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. We speak, speak here of the Holy Ghost which can now be given, is now available in 2022 and forevermore until he comes. So seek him while he may be found. Hallelujah, in Jesus' name. Come and pray for those that are here. Connect group leaders. Connect group leaders' wives, spouses, leaders' wives. Come and pray for those that are here today. 